Harvey met Arlene Hunter in the winter of 1949. She was the only daughter of the president of the First City Bank of Boston. Until then, Harvey had never taken any real interest in women. His driving force had always been making money, and although he considered the opposite sex a useful relaxation in his free time, on balance he found them an inconvenience. But having now reached what the glossy magazines referred to as middle age, and having no heir to leave his fortune to, he calculated that it was time to find a wife who would present him with a son. As with everything else that he had wanted in his life, he considered the problem very carefully. Harvey had first run into Arlene when she was thirty-one, quite literally, when she had backed her car into his new Lincoln. She could not have been a greater contrast to the short, uneducated, overweight Pole. She was nearly six feet tall, slim, and although not unattractive, she lacked confidence and was beginning to think that marriage had passed her by. Most of her school friends were already on their second divorces and felt rather sorry for her. Harvey's extravagant ways came as a welcome change, after her parents' prudish discipline, which she often felt was to blame for her awkwardness with men of her own age. She had only had one affair, a disastrous failure, thanks to her total innocence, and until Harvey arrived, no one had seemed to be willing to give her a second chance. Arlene's father did not approve of Harvey, and showed it, which only made him more attractive to her. Her father had not approved of any of the men she had associated with, but on this occasion he was right. Harvey, on the other hand, realized that to marry the first city bank of Boston with the Lincoln Trust could only be of long-term benefit to him, and with that in mind he set out, as he always did, to conquer. Arlene didn't put up much of a battle. Arlene and Harvey were married in 1951 at a wedding more memorable for those who were absent than those who attended— They settled into Harvey's Lincoln home outside of Boston, and very shortly afterward Arlene announced she was pregnant. She gave Harvey a daughter almost a year to the day after their marriage. They christened her Rosalie, and she became the center of Harvey's attention. His only disappointment came when a prolapse, closely followed by a hysterectomy, prevented Arlene from bearing him any more children. He sent Rosalie to Bennett's, the most expensive girls' school in Washington, and from there she was accepted at Vassar to major in English. This even pleased old man Hunter, who had grown to tolerate Harvey and adore his granddaughter. On gaining her degree, Rosalie continued her education at the Sorbonne, after a fierce disagreement with her father concerning the type of friends she was keeping, particularly the ones with long hair who didn't want to go to Vietnam. Not that Harvey had done much during the Second World War, except to cash in on every shortage. The final crunch came when Rosalie dared to suggest that morals were not to be decided only by length of hair or political views. Harvey missed her, but refused to admit the fact to Arlene. Harvey had three loves in his life. The first was still Rosalie, the second was his paintings, and the third his orchids. The first had started the moment his daughter was born. The second was a love that had developed over many years, and had been kindled in the strangest way. A client of Sharpley and Son was about to go bankrupt while still owing a fairly large sum of money to the company. Harvey got wind of it, and went around to confront him. But the rot had already set in, and there was no longer any hope of securing cash. Determined not to leave empty-handed, Harvey took with him the man's only tangible asset, a Renoir, valued at ten thousand dollars. 
Harvey's intention was to sell the picture quickly before it could be proved that he was a preferred creditor, but he became so entranced with the fine brushwork and the delicate pastel shades that his only desire was to own more. When he realized that pictures were not only a good investment, but that he actually liked them as well, his collection and his love grew hand in hand. By the early 1970s, Harvey had a Manet, two Monets, a Renoir, two Picassos, a Pissarro, a Utrillo, a Cezanne, as well as most of the recognized lesser names, and he had become quite a connoisseur of the Impressionist period. His one remaining desire was to possess a Van Gogh, and only recently he had failed to acquire L'Hôpital de Saint-Paul à Saint-Rémy at the Sotheby Park Burnett Gallery in New York, when Dr. Armand Hammer of Occidental Petroleum had outbid him. One million two hundred thousand dollars had been just a little too much for Harvey. Earlier, in 1966, he had failed to acquire Lot 49.